Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. Chris, we're back at it. It's good to see you, my man. Yeah, you too, buddy. Uh, we got to be in person yesterday. That yeah. was fun. Yeah, and it was great. I think I'd love to start the conversation today where we ended yesterday. And uh, just for uh, context, why don't you tell our listeners where we were, what we were doing yesterday? Yeah, because this is going to be such a powerful uh, experience for teams and companies that want to have this. So we were, we were tag teaming our, our dream team measurement, uh, fit for grit. And as we looked at the team we were working with, we were measuring and then coaching them into greater awareness and application. And what we're focused on today was the middle part of yesterday's experience, which is on the team. And I think to even set you up for the magic and brilliance of what you did yesterday for our listeners. And we didn't hit this in, in the experience we did yesterday. Uh, they could be in lots of different places. And so I think that we just have to introduce two ideas before we get to the third idea, which we're going to spend our time. And, and introduction piece number one is that you need a team. Like, you know, I could be jealous of your ability to step into something and multiply out the value. I could be jealous of someone on our team. His name is Brett. Brett's ability to simplify through the clutter. I could be jealous of Mark's ability to codify it and create structure. Or I can go, oh my gosh, I'll never be as good at it as they are. Like if I'm secure in who I am, I don't have to be everything. And so for a lot of people, you see this today, I think in a big way, they just aren't yet converted to a reality of, I need a team. Your, your, your dream, um, if it doesn't require a team, is not going to take you to the edge of your abilities. And not that everybody has to have like a leadership team they build, but being a part of an organization where there is a leadership team at, at play. You know, that's what we tell our coaches. You don't have to have your own team. We can be the team for you. There has to be people fulfilling that function. So first and foremost, it's just that you need a team. Second, teams have rhythms. And it's funny, like, right, we were just chatting like 30 seconds before this, and you were talking about getting beyond the rhythms, the forming, storming, norming. You know, I'm actually going to talk about that in our staff meeting next week, because that's something we need to be aware of right now. But, but the third piece. This is what people skip over all the time. Now, I've gotten lucky in a few uh, in my past because I grew up around my dad leading organizations. And when I led organizations like he led, I staffed them like he did. So I, I had all of the positions, right, that you would want. 
Um, people think in terms of boxes. There's a reason things have emerged to have a CEO, CMO, CFO, all these things, because gifts show up certain ways. So once you get a space for it in your mind, oh, we need a person that does this. We need a person that does this. We need a person that does this. You're at least at the beginner level of what it means to put together a scalable team. But sadly, sadly, that's just the beginning part. And yet that's the part most people never get past. Um, and so why don't you lay out for us the accentuate this problem any more that you want and then start introducing us a little bit to the solution for a scalable team? Well, I, th- I think um, it would help create some context, uh, better context to talk about where we were yesterday. I mean, we were, we were in a group of uh, investors and venture capitalists. Um, all of which have had lots of experience dealing with startups, scale-ups, growth-type companies, and they're experts at identifying problems in the in the in the marketplace or opportunities in the marketplace, formulating funds to serve those challenges, and then bringing companies together that they can invest in to 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 build the solutions required, right? So they're out there at the forefront of problem identification, opportunity identification, um, amassing assets and resources to go after problems. And so they're very used to, right, this challenge of finding a visionary and then helping that visionary build teams around them. And not just for the purpose of, you know, an academic exercise, for the purpose of spending and making money. I mean, they're investing and spending, building teams, creating run rates, you know, and then hopefully driving enough revenue that they can become self-sustaining. And then, of course, scaling and growing the organization. So these are all folks that have had a lot of experience building teams. And so when you ask the question, how are teams built? What is the process? To your point, yes, you have to recognize that first a team is required. Do you even have the concept of believing in a team? Right? It's interesting when we look at a sports team, we can we see the team work and we can see how the one plus one equals three, where the leverage points are. We can see on the field or on the field of play, one person can't do it all. And if everyone is expert in their role and understands how their role affects the others, you can, you can see the leverage points. People be, can become specialists in, in key areas. You combine those specialties toward a identifiable goal, and it's amazing what you can achieve. And it's amazing how good you can become in that role because now you have that role defined. You can focus on not creating the process or creating the way to do the role, but knowing how the role is done and then practicing and building your expertise and competency in it. And instead of kind of building that role, now as a member of the team, I can start executing and become expert in that role. I'm not wasting time figuring things out. I'm investing time getting better, moving closer to mastery and further into my mastery as a, as a member of that team. And as, a, as somebody who's, who's um, committed to a, the larger goal that the team is going after. So you know, we were sitting with folks that are that are challenged to do all this. There's big payoff when it happens. And we all kind of know how teams form in the business world. It's not the same. 
as in the sports world, where there are rules, there is a field of play, there are boundaries that are built. When a founder, a visionary decides to start a company, they start with a clean slate. Yes, to your point, Chris, there are roles to fill, but those roles don't have definitions. They're just names. Yeah. Where do we yeah. go from there? And 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 what I love about what we're going to walk through here, it protects leaders that I've seen so often, you know, that are the kinds of people that start things. The kinds of people that start things are visionary. So they they blaze a trail. Well, what do they so often want to do with their organizational structure and their team? Blaze a trail. So they they get really creative with the structure. And they miss, is the team balanced to our goal? Are we able to actually accomplish what we want to? Um, and so all of the creativity, and I've had this happen so many times, you know, you meet somebody, well, now virtually, but so, so often for coffee and you know, especially visionary leaders, they're excited about their team and they're excited about the expansion of the team. And I'm like, well, tell me about your structure, how your team is structured. And then they're drawing out something very fanciful, something very visionary, very visionary, <laughs> but they are failing to notice. And, and just because they haven't been trained to see it, what the distribution of these roles is like, if the spots that need to be covered are covered, because they just, they, they might have a, uh, a little bit of a placeholder in their mind for traditional role functions. But like you said, they're just titles. They may have a little bit of a placeholder in their mind for key talent that they're interacting with, that they would like to get on the team and how they could see them solving certain functions. But it's hunch-based, it's gut-based, and that'll only get you so far. Right. And, it, and as you know, in psychology, we tend to want to be around people who are like us. So mm -hmm. that gut attracts us to people who are like us. And then, and then what do we do? As soon as we build a team of, of like-minded folks, we start divvying up roles and to-dos and some things we get energy from. So we pursue those other things we adopt, we take on because they have to get done. And those take energy from us. They steal energy from us. And so usually the first roles that we hire people to fill are the ones that take energy from us. So there's really no science behind it. It's just, here's the stuff I don't want to do. Let's hire someone to do it. And then we end up building a team. And yeah. what was, what's really interesting is the team that we were uh, evaluating yesterday looked very much like every other team that you and I are used to looking at. Um, an organization that um, has been led by visionaries and then supported by folks who um, get things done for those visionaries the business was not aligned. It was lopsided. Lots of visionaries, lots of doers, not a lot of problem solvers and not, not, not a lot of quality focused folks or improvers. And so there was that, um, there was that, that uh, lack of symmetry, that lack of balance, which isn't a critique or a problem other than to say it's an organization that's being built for a very specific purpose. But if as soon as change um, challenges that organization, the lack of the lack of balance across multiple roles is going to create challenges for that organization that it may not be able to overcome. And so, yeah. the, so the idea is, can we be more thoughtful and proactive about how we build a team versus reactive, which is what normally happens in an organic kind of team building 
a process. Yeah. I love the phrase you've been saying on that. We hire to fix rather than hire to fit. And, um, you know, you look at these, it doesn't matter the company. You're going into a manufacturing company, you're going to a startup, you're going into whatever. They follow these templates and these patterns and these patterns reveal exactly what you're saying. They build around what they like. Visionaries want to be with visionaries and then they build around needing it to get done. And I think about it like, you know, I'm sensitive to this analogy just because the world's uh, stage of events that are happening right now, uh, sadly, with Ukraine. But like, if you're trying to advance something, the visionary is like running out there. And then you only can get so far before the back end infrastructure, logistics and supply chain and all that is going to start hampering your ability to progress. And so for me, you know, I know naturally I tend to like, let's run out there. But because of this awareness, I can go, ah, at some point, this back end has to start really being developed. This infrastructure has to be in place. Um, some of the rhythms I've seen in, in some you know, studies, I, I don't know that this is completely true, but some companies follow like this pattern of like two years of growth and then one year of infrastructure. And, and you know, whether it's three, five, whatever, you just got to have that awareness. What's powerful though, when you measure it, you're not assessing and guessing, you're measuring and matching. You can start to put these things in place in a non-reactive way to what you're saying. Right. Um, I'm really impressed with this story. I, I shared it yesterday about PayPal where they like, you know, first getting started and they're trying to get the vision out there and they didn't have the infrastructure to support uh, missed payments and people losing their money. And so you're getting all these calls, the executives are getting all these calls and they literally just took their phones off the hook. So the calls would just ring through because somebody, you know, figured out their name, uh, their numbers and posted them. People were showing up at the office, like, where's my money? Where's my money? And they were resolute that we are not going to deal with this yet. Then when they did, they added like this 300 person customer service center, whatever. And then they scaled up more customer service support from there. There are moments when you move like that, but here's what's so powerful about that story. They knowingly did it. You can do it, but you do it with awareness when you have this whole picture of what the, what the team needs and what it looks like. Right, 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 right. So, so if we go back to your real life, right, let's talk about sales and building sales teams. What ends up happening, right? We have multiple clients, one in particular that I'm working with right now, um, close to 150 people in their sales and customer facing teams. Hmm. And and uh, a fraction of the sales folks are hitting their numbers. Mm. Now, not unusual, right? And and not something to be, um, you know, overly critical of, right? We all have challenges as we're growing organizations. But the so the question is, how do you respond to that? And un unfortunately, right? You know, I, I think back to the movie uh, Matrix, <laughs> right? They ask Keanu what he needs, right? Neo, what do you need? Guns, lots of guns, right? And so it's like <laughs> you face a challenge, and what do you do? It's like let's just you know the the thing to do is is I need more firepower, right? So what do heads of sales think about? Look, it'll be okay. Let's just hire more people. Mm. And so the people around that that head of sales are saying, "Oh wow, you've got an inefficient system. 
you know, maybe two out of 10 people are hitting their number and you want to add more people. So that goes back to your point about hiring to fix versus hiring to fit this idea that we just need more firepower. Let's go. Uh, and it goes back to this, this thing that we used to have to do with, with um, business owners and say, look, let's step back and build your business plan before you start investing. It's, just, it's the same kind of discipline. Let's build a plan mm. around our strategy, the structure of our organization, the roles that we need in those organ- in the organization, the goals that each of those roles will have to deliver because role is important, but goal is more important because we have to evaluate then the next step, which are bringing on people in the context of both the role and the goal. If the role is sales, but it's to maintain, that's different than if it's sales with a goal of growth. It's also different than if it's a goal of exponential growth, like 50% month over month or quarter over quarter. Um, so we go, we just, the recommendation is let's go back and let's assess the organization in the context of the strategy, structure, roles, and goals that we have in place. How well do we understand the definition of the roles that we're trying to fill? And how, what kind of discipline do we have in place to assure the fit? We have the right people in the right seats, the right people in the right roles. Now, if we can get this nailed down, now we can hire to fit versus hire to fix. And, and yes, we may have to step back and reorganize, but Chris, as you and I've talked about, as we look, look back at the data across our 10,000 past working sessions, we know that when an organization focuses on, focuses on efficiency and effectiveness, they can 3X their growth rate just by optimizing the efficiency of the existing assets they have in place, the existing team that they have in place before they even hire that next rep. So there's a lot to be said for this, but the challenge, I think, comes back to what you were talking about, Chris, this idea of awareness, right? Let's stop that uh, arms race, <laughs> more guns. Let's sit back and think about how do we leverage our assets in a more thoughtful, meaningful, uh, well-planned more, you know, way or strategy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so moved by this for myself, especially when we see it in organizations, how freeing it is in, in a world of stressed out, overburdened, complicated, too much to do, hustle harder, be more productive, how freeing it is to be efficient and effective together. Like what's the thing that matters the most? So, you know, ideally we should be able to step into any organization and walk up to people and go, what? are you doing? What is the key thing you do? And how does it move the needle connected to the bigger goal the company's focused on? Um, but you're not going to get to that kind of clarity, that goal, without this well-defined role. And so we're trying to take people somewhere where there's no foundation to support it. Um, and and that's why, I mean, you know, the couple of times we've built homes, you don't build homes without a plan. The plan's going to change. I remember our first home and, and it was of course much smaller and uh, the dimensions ended up being a little bit different on where this closet went and had to move it over some. And so the plan had to adapt and change, but how crazy would it have been to build that house without a plan? It would have been a mess. And so, you know, for me, I am a very intuitive leader. 
I am, we're all wired up is different. We, we, you know, no, I think that's so dangerous in leadership when we go, okay, I want to, they lead like that. I want to lead like that. If that's how it flows for you. Great. For me, it, it, it tends to be the intuitive step first. So all the more so how critical it is that I'm walking through the data to either affirm the intuition or to correct it. And that's how you upgrade. You hone and upgrade your intuition through real awareness, real feedback, being able to see in the mirror Um, or else we trick ourselves. And so, you know, you know, we eat the dog food on this, so to speak, as an organization, because I felt like I saw a gap in our team that felt more pressing to take care of than it did a month before. And there was one name that was popping in my head and heart. And I ran a bunch of experiments with them, you know, work with them before you work with them. But then just to make sure we measured it. And when we measured it, they showed up in the data exactly where I thought they would. And I was like, yeah. And if they wouldn't have, that would have caused me to pause and question and probably not move forward. Um, but you got to have that awareness. You got to have that mirror. You heard me tell the story yesterday about, you know, you and I have talked about in this podcast before joking around this workout system we both do and kind of just through talking about it, hold each other accountable, encourage each other. And so, you know, in my basement, like where I work out, I'm feeling pretty fit. I'm walking around. I got it going on. And then, you know, now that travel's happening again, uh, with companies, I'm in this hotel room and I'm, I'm in the weight room and I'm working out, Jimmy. And I stand up and I got mirrors all around me and I'm not as fit in that workout room at that hotel as I am in my basement. The lights are too bright, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. But the, I, it's the awareness, right? It's staring me back. And so what if you could have that kind of awareness beyond just, you know, titles, but into actually understanding the data of your team matched to your goals and what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I love what you're talking about because it, it applies to teams that are thriving as well as teams that may be in a turnaround, you know, mode. Um, if we just think about even, you know, think about um, that this idea of building a home, right? I mean, how do you get to master level performance, right? If you have that plan, and you then make adjustments to that plan as you build that home. You've got a you've got a paper trail. You've got documentation that allows you to see where you were and where you've gone to. And there's a learning curve that you're able to actually track. Mm. If you didn't have that plan, um, and you're just pivoting intuitively here and there, what are the odds that you repeat the same mistakes over again? Mm. Right? What are the odds that your decisions are less effective, less thought out? Uh, what are the what are the odds that you become less efficient and effective? And we what we find is even when we 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 work with teams that are thriving, um, the the startup did all the right things. They identified the right people. They they brought in this core group of ten or fifteen or twenty salespeople. They're doing great, but now it's time to pour fuel on the fire and go. And they discover that you know what all these people are executing their own sales process. Uh, They're doing their own thing. They all tended to figure it out. Well, how do we hire into that, into that world? Well, if we don't document that process, if we don't build that plan that everybody follows, then how can 
everyone help everyone else out, right? We don't, we lack the common knowledge. We count, we lack a common vocabulary. We lack a common framework and structure. No, we're not all working on each other's or on our own shared process and proving that we're all kind of working on our own. And because we're working on our own, it's not likely documented, which means each of us are making mistakes and recovering from those mistakes over and over again. And it's much less like the more formal organized approach to that you and I talked about with regard to building that home. It's much more like every one of us is chasing success, mm. right? We do, we execute our process until it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, we, we pivot, we shift and we end up searching for a process that's perfect instead of recognizing that sales is a game of probability. We need, we only need a system that allows us to win more than we lose and win bigger and lose smaller over time. We don't need a perfect system. If we have the system documented and we have everyone working toward mastery of that same system, um, now we can accept the losses with the wins and we can stay true to the process that we have in place, leveraging that law of probability, which says, look, stick to your game plan and you will end up winning more than you lose winning bigger and losing smaller over time. Uh, and now we can all cultivate the discipline together, all cultivate improvement together. And, and then of course, as we've said, hire to fit that system. We're, not, we're no longer recruiting top performers and asking them to figure it out for themselves. We're hiring them into a system. So we're more attracted to a top performer because they can recognize the system and say, yeah, I can do that and we can ramp them up quicker. We can, all, we can actually create a more leveraged compensation plan because we don't have to pay them to spend their first year figuring it out. We can pay them a lower base, higher leverage. Top performers are going to love that because they can earn more money faster. They can take control of their income. They don't have to give away money by taking a bigger base. They walk into a system that's going to assure them success. And now we can scale and become that more attractive team within our vertical, within our industry. And guess what? Then you end up hearing that great sucking sound, right? It's that sound of you taking all the top performers from your competition because they don't have a documented process. They don't have an integrated leverage team. They don't have a way to help top performers make more money. You do. Mm. Man, so much emotion around that because people listening to this want to win. And this is a clear path to doing that. I know this already, but we've done so many events the last two years, virtually meetings and teams. Of course, even this podcast, right? You don't really have an audience. You get the feedback. So now as we're doing things in person more and more again, watching yesterday when you were saying sales is a game of probability, not perfection. And this guy was about to nod his head off. You know, you are giving voice to that truth and that reality. And uh, it's, it's, it's powerful. Here's a question for you. Um, because obviously this is for, for sales leaders. Um, I, I wonder if I could modify that a little bit and we're just trying this on, so shoot it down. But when you, um, when you build team with the kind of awareness that, that we can deliver with the tools that we use to measure um, a healthy team, a scalable team, is a matter of probability, not perfection. Not luckily, 
hiring and attracting talent, but instead creating the spots and and pieces that need to be filled. You can see this visual image and go, okay, this is what's missing. This is what needs to be uh, improved, or this is what needs to be added. This is what needs to be recruited. So really team building is a game of probability, not perfection. When you have the awareness that may be stretching it too far. I'm just feeling it. (laughs) Well, no, I love it. I mean, uh, a lot of sales folks um, like watching or playing poker, for example. Uh, when I first, um, I mean, ultimate game of probability, it's also a game of skill, right? It's the only game of skill in the casino. Um, and uh, because, of, because of that, it allows you to improve your probability of winning. You take control as a player of your probability of winning. The thing that you cannot do, though, is you cannot play you can't you can't play hand to hand you have to accept the losses as well as the wins as you as you play not hand to hand but maybe week to week month to month over time if you've got a system that works you will win more than you lose and you'll win bigger and lose smaller over time uh, but that only happens chris when you're able to execute a system and then track the data that indicate that all the all the um, all the um, leading indicators that led you to the outcome that you achieved, whether it was a win or ultimately a win or a loss. Um, but all those leading indicators represent data that the professional, right, poker player, and the the one that's pursuing mastery collects and processes mm-hmm. processes. It's amazing when you listen to the pros out there. These are people who, you know that just are operating at a world-class level, the level of data that they collect hand-to-hand, game-to-game, day-to-day, week-to-week, on their computers, on their systems, the way that they can remember the hands they played, et cetera, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. But it's only through collecting and analyzing data that that we can influence probability. And so in the context of sales and sales environments, what has to happen is we have to also have that ability to track data appropriately. What's the challenge in a sales environment attra- uh, collecting data? Hmm. You know, it's the first challenge is not just having a CRM system. In other words, CRM being a database with fields that you fill in. Um, yes, you want to be able to track or collect the right data, but how do you know you're correct? You're collecting accurate data, hmm. right? You can't do that unless the entire organization has a shared definition of the data you're collecting. So, um, you know, for example, just the word qualified, if the word qualified means a different thing for every member of the team, then tracking that they were qualified in a CRM while you're doing the work is meaningless because you can't build off of that because the ground, the, the, the core definition of the word is uh, not shared across the organization. So there's collecting data, there's collecting the right data, and then there's collecting high quality data. Uh, and so to your point, you know, one of the one of the benefits of having the team is if you can have that shared definition and you can have everybody focused on optimizing um, the way those definitions are communicated, um, then you can have people executing on plan, and then you can start collecting data that's relevant, and then you can start moving the organization forward, leveraging that data. Uh, and when you, when you start to build an organization that respects 
data and values data, yes, now you can do things like we're talking about. Now you can, for example, datatize your role definition and then leverage a measurement tool to measure team members and match them to that role. Yes, you'll leverage intuition. Yes, you'll hire people who fit your culture. Yes, you'll hire people who you get along with. But more importantly, you will hire people who are an optimized fit for the role that you're hiring for. You're not going to allow them to con you in or sell you into hiring them for a role they're not qualified for or hire them into a role that they think they want, but they're really not prepared to execute. You'll avoid a lot of those traps and mistakes as you make those important decisions around hiring. So zooming out, I can't help but comment on this because listeners would have to think it and feel it. Um, we're, we're in the trees and we need to be, but if we zoom out and look at the forest, what would it be like to have Jimmy on your team? For those that are listening to this as sales, you know, leaders, like, and that's what we're telling you. Well, A, you need to get engaged with his services, faux show, but B, part of that is you're not coming in to do something that they become dependent on you for. You're coming in to do something to set this up so that they're, so that it's ongoing for them because you see what they can't see. And you know, it's hard to believe in an experience until you've had it. I mean, that I, I come back to that idea over and over and over, I feel like. And until you've seen like what it's like to get this under the hood view with such clarity of your team, how balanced it is, the scalability of it, the role definition, how precise and accurate it can be tied in to repeatable sales processes. It's hard to know how good it can be. And that's where I want to live. Like, how good can this get? Uh, it's not going to be perfect. The nature of leadership is we're solving problems. We're facing new things all the time, but it's inspiring when it's continuing to improve and yeah. work better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, we work with companies that are struggling. We work with companies that are succeeding, but, and know that they can, they can be doing more. Right. But in both cases, and I mean this with all sincerity in both, both cases, Chris, I know you've experienced this as well. Those team members, those people, I mean, first off, they're human beings, right? Every one of us has our own level of insecurity, our own dreams, desires, experiences, competencies, um, ambitions. Uh, the first thing to do is you have to respect the fact that every one of us is an individual with our own reasons for doing the things we're doing and our own desires and, and goals and so forth. After that, it, it's also easy to look at these folks as all competent and intelligent and you know, brilliant people in some cases, elite performers in many cases. But at the end of the day, um, it comes back to this idea of team, right? Do, do we do, because we're smart and competent and capable, does that mean that we just continue to go it alone? Does it mean that we continue to struggle on our own to figure it out for ourselves? And, and even though we can do it, or maybe we could do it, and not in, in every case we can't do it, right? We, we have limitations and we do need help. And I'm sure we all recognize that, but there's a part of us because we're competent, we're operating at the top of our game that believes we can figure it out. I don't need help. What, what if you got the help, right, Chris? What if you were able to shave years off your learning curve, one, and two, 
get to a higher level of competency than you normally could on your own? What if you could do it faster and do it better with help? Hmm. Now, you got to hire the right help, somebody who honors where you are, meets you where you are, and doesn't try to turn you into another version of them, but turn you into a better version of yourself, the version that you want to create. Imagine that. Imagine having that kind of a team member. And then imagine having somebody who's done it for 30 years and has you know 10,000 working sessions and thousands of clients under their belt that has been there before. Not that they know everything there is to know, but, but somebody who can um, work with you and be an, a, a far more productive additive force to your knowledge base and decision-making capability. And then on top of that, what if you add the tools that we've searched for over these last 30 years uh, that we can bring to fore? Uh, what's really amazing is the longer we do this, the faster we can have an impact on an organization uh, and the less disruptive the impact can be. So we're finding that our clients can go farther faster the more we do this and the longer we're, we're in play. So it's just an amazing thing. And it's really at the end of the day, why I got into this business, Chris, uh, you know, when I left my last, um, when I left industry and stopped selling full time, uh, I hired a, a coach myself and within six months recognized that this new level of understanding around sales and selling that I had uh, achieved through this coaching was something that, that every CEO and sales leader I had ever worked with needed. So at that moment, I dedicated myself to not just building a business and an income for my family through this business, but um, changing lives, right? We spend so much of our time at work. It's exhausting for us as salespeople to have to show up as a hero every day with the pressure and the sacrifices that we think we have to make to achieve the level of success that we want. Why not find that, uh, why not get rid of that resistance and find that more natural, easier path to success? And that's really all we're talking about. There's a smarter way to go um, beyond the typical organic way that many of us fall into as salespeople and sales managers. And that's really all we're talking about. Yeah. I I know we're landing the plane. I just can't help but make this comment uh, smarter and more fun. Like we suffer in so much loneliness uh, and how fun it is to know and be known and move as a team. Uh, why not? Life is so short. Let's have some fun. Right. You can make sacrifices without the stress, without the pressure, without the anxiety, uh, without, and you can only sacrifice the things that matter that you're willing to sacrifice, not the stuff that you think today you have to like time with your family, relationships, et cetera. It's all there. From my water that is infused with hops. Cheers to that. <laughs> Awesome, man. Maybe I should bring some vino to the next one. <laughs> That'd be fun. It was good wrapping with you, man. Thanks. I'll talk to you uh, again next week. Awesome. See you, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com. F-L-O-R-I-S-S -S group
SiteShift.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SiteShift, S-I-G-H-T, Shift.com. Peace. Peace.